Paranormal Truth and Reality with host Chris Houston. A show for those with a passion for the paranormal. And now, welcome to the show. Welcome to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm your host, Christopher Houston, and we're here with a returning guest, Stephen Hudgens. Stephen Hudgens knows quite a lot about UFOs as well as a lot of other things. In fact, he's uh, been a little bit of a uh, underlying mentor in the past couple of uh, months after I talked to him originally, looking at uh, a lot of the stuff that he's posted, a lot of the things he's done in the past. So welcome back, Stephen. Hello. How you doing? Good to be here. Oh, can't complain much. I suppose if we do, nobody ever listens anyway, do they? <laughs> that's, that's true. That's very true. So I guess let's just jump in a little bit. I think the last time we uh, we left off, we were probably just uh, rambling on about a lot of different things. But uh, what have you been doing so far? Oh, oh, I guess you could say running the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm uh, international director of investigations now, and and it's uh, encompassing the entire planet. So I can I can say without any doubt that the planet is round, it's not flat. <laughs> you know, that is a unique theory that pops up. What about every – gosh, I think I've seen it about every 10 years or so. Um, and it just recently started to recirculate now that uh, there's a lot of flat believers versus round believers. But I, I can't even fathom that, to be honest with you. I mean, science, as far as I have learned, tells me that it's not flat. <laughs> I think the last post I saw on that, uh, someone posted that um, uh, that the uh, Flat Earth Society had members around the globe. Yep, yep. I, I think I saw probably the same post that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's that's it's kind of kind of coming out, and then using the word "around the globe" is is almost kind of silly because uh, you know you you think you'd try to figure out a different terminology. <laughs> I know I would. I'm I'm wondering who who is actually paying for the membership. Yeah. Around the disc. That's what they should say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> around the disc. I I would hate to go around to the close edge of that disc. Yeah. Yeah, and what happens then? I mean, we've got gravity that pushes us anyway. Does gravity still entail when you're dealing with a disc or is it all totally different and you do actually physically fall off the edge? I don't know. That's a good question. Well, when you fall off the edge, where do you go? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what happens? You just kind of steadily float off into outer space? No, really, <laughs> the gravity stays. You maintain, and you just go over the edge and just walk, and now you're upside down. There you go. <laughs> and that's where China is. On the other side of the disk. <laughs> that's what I, yes, that's, that's what I surmise. <laughs> so... Being the director and working with UFOs, I'm sure that you know there's been a great increase on fascination with it ever since the new television series on History Channel came out with Project Boo Book, even though they're not being exactly accurate on a lot of things, as we all know. Um, so let's now, just kind of dive in a little bit. <laughs> okay. if, if they were accurate, it would be boring. <laughs> That's true. Yes. That's true. Um, and that's a part of the drama of it. I mean, I've watched it myself because I get a kick out of watching science fiction. And let's face it, when you're talking about UFOs, even though you still, once you start digging in, you still kind of turn your head a little bit. The last time we had a good show was The X-Files. Mm -hmm. And and now we've got Project Blue Book. At least this one puts a little bit of, a little bit, they put a little bit of science in it. They put a little bit of explanation in it. So <laughs> they, they put all the good cases and then they kind of embellish them. Yeah. And uh, 
then they go, hey, man, there's the proof right there. What's the problem? And, <laughs> and so I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but it is a good show. I like the show. I haven't been able to watch all of them, but the ones I've seen, you know, they're very interesting. I, I like that actor, whatever his name is, and uh, I, I like him a lot. But uh, anyway, he fits the role. He fit, he kind of looks the part too from time to time, which is cool. <laughs> yes, he does. He he has that uh, amazing stare. He has that down pat. Yep. Yeah. So. You and I both know that the reality when you're looking into UFOs is a lot different than what people think. Yes. Um, and a lot of that entails in, in not only debunking things, but sometimes, as you had mentioned a couple of times on a few of my posts, you just simply don't have the answers. You know it's probably not alien, but you still it, it remains unidentified until it's identified. Um, and that, that, that's a key I think a lot of people don't understand. It's, it's not exactly black and white. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, we have, uh, you know, when you go through all of our cases in the CMS and we have, I don't know, over 74,000 of them anyway, in our, in our history. And, um, uh, uh, there's probably 40% are unidentified and the rest, we could kind of figure out what they are, but these unidentifieds, they're, they're pretty key. And, you, and, you know, you, you can just almost say, well, that's an airplane, but no, it makes that right angle turn and. It's not an airplane any longer because uh, you know, I, was I was telling Jan the other day that I did see an airplane do a, a, a right angle turn. And that was 20 years ago. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, it was, it, see, we have a big air base out here and uh, the jets flying around. And they, they, they took all the B-52s away, which kind of upset me. I loved going after watching those take off. But, but this jet was, uh, it was going down the runway real fast. And then all of a sudden it pulled and went straight up. And just about the time it kind of went slow, he did a little left turn. And it was really weird. It's like he did just kind of a 90-degree turn right there and then took off. It was kind of weird. Well, you know, I, I've seen a lot of that growing up. I was just talking to a friend about that. We had a, a experience with an unidentified flying object, but I couldn't really honestly, even in that experience, tell you that it wasn't a military situation, even though it, it went very quickly and disappeared very quickly and only lighted, lit up a specific area. But mm -hmm. living down the road from a Air Force base that's between Wright-Patterson and the other side of the state, um, we got to see some things at night. If you were to go out in the middle of the night when they're doing test flights and they're doing exercises and so forth, you'd see some very unusual things. And when you're watching them, you'd swear that's a UFO. If you really didn't know how to identify the plane, when you're looking at it, you'd swear beyond belief that's a UFO. <laughs> yes, you would, because you don't know what it is. Yep. And yep. yes, it's unidentified. UFO just simply means unidentified flying object. And uh, of course, when they're identified, they're identified flying object. And, and the government gets away with that pretty good. They're saying that UFOs don't exist. Well, for them, that may be correct because they may know exactly what these things are. So, uh -huh. you know, when they say that, hey, they're not lying. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think um, if you uh, listeners, if you actually look through a lot of the release documentation that people are saying is going to be just so extraordinary, it's going to tell us everything. A lot of what you look through, you end up shaking your head. I think I spent maybe four or five weeks going through documents released on the CIA side, as an example. Mm -hmm. And Though they do admit, th yes, things are going on. You can put two and two together to find out a lot of times it's things that I, I believe they actually know what's going on. 
<laughs> uh, I and believe they, so too. Otherwise, you'd see a lot of dog fights in the air. Yeah. Yeah, you'd see a lot of dogfights in the area. You'd see a lot of action. You'd see a lot of worry. I mean, the military would panic if they didn't know what these things were. <laughs> I believe so, too. That's why I'm thinking that 99% of this stuff is ours. I actually believe that any intelligent being come visit planet Earth, is going to, uh, their ships are going to be totally invisible because uh, they don't want the planet of the apes to attack. Uh-huh. That's exactly what I think. Well, you can go into theory there a little bit, too. I mean, if they're an advanced race, and, of course, I'm a geek, so you'll probably laugh if you ever watch Star Trek when I say this. Would you really want to interfere with the existence of a culture and how it's advancing, or would you want to observe that? The easiest way to do it is to stay invisible and just sit and observe it. Exactly. (laughs) And you might want to mingle a little bit, especially if you kind of look like us. I don't rule anything like that out. Yeah, well, gives you a taste of culture firsthand. If you can walk around looking just like the individuals sure. and not interfere, you get a real feel for the way the culture is advancing and what's going on. Um, and uh, that that's I kind of agree a lot there. Of course, you've noticed probably observing a lot of times there's a lot more logic to things than people think. And most of the time that logic can be explained if you remove yourself from all of the myth. <laughs> that's very true. Um, but that's the problem. There's all this myth out there. Oh, it's terrible, especially when you get into the paranormal community because it's been raised through television, and it's it's kind of a hypothetical thing in a lot of avenues anyway. You have hypotheses. Some hypotheses have proven things. Once they become proven, they become they, they, they don't become paranormal anymore, so people just tend to forget about them. <laughs> I, have, I, have a, I have a theory about ghosts. I don't know if I told you about it last time, but uh, – well, I got a question for you. Do you have people call in or anything like that? Every now and then. Every now and then. Depends well, on the situation. Okay. I, your your show is paranormal. Most of the, I, why? I ask people this all the time. They cannot really answer my question. But why does a ghost wear clothes? <laughs> you know, um, there are several theories behind it, but they're just theories. And I'm curious on that actually as well. Some people say that a ghost keeps the clothing on that they had when they passed because that's what they remember. Therefore, it stays with them because they manifested on their own. Um, so what you're saying is it's the clothes they remember, so they are projecting this for you to view. Yeah, that's that's what one of the theories is. The other theory is when you're a ghost, you can pretty much put anything on. If you want to run around naked, you can. If you don't, you just pretty much, you know um, – my big thing when you're dealing with ghosts is, to be frankly honest with you, we use that term loosely, a ghost, spirit, and the fact of the matter is we're not even to the point to where we can actually say, yep, that's what it is. You know, That's very true. You know, we just simply haven't figured that out. So um, people look at me strangely when I'm out on an investigation, and this year they're going to look at me even more strangely because while they're out doing everything, I did that for about six months or so, had a little fun with it. Now it's time to get back to work. Everybody else is out with their nice little recorders and their fancy little devices, and what am I doing? I'm tacking a bunch of stuff up all in the rooms and putting stuff into the ground and hooking it all up to computers and then attaching it to video cameras to watch reactions, and I'm sitting in behind a computer in a warm office so I don't freeze my butt off or a cooled office so I don't sweat my butt off, and everybody <laughs> else is having fun going, what are you doing? Well, I'm looking for answers here, guys. I really don't need to do what you're doing. <laughs> yes, you're analyzing. Yep. Yep. And I believe that in that you can find a lot of things. And one of the things that you're going to find is a lot of this is man-made. 
Um, and I know the paranormal community doesn't like to hear that, but the fact of the matter is when you're talking about myth and mythology, you're talking about belief, you're talking about culture, you're talking about being raised, you're going into specific locations that already have stories, a lot of times you see or manifest that on your own, and now you've seen or heard something that's not really there. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I do agree with that. They, there's something there, but you never see it. There's something there, but you never hear it. And then when you do, it sounds man-made to me. That's why I don't buy into this um, uh, ghost speaking over the radio thing. I forget what you call it. But um, And the EMF frequencies that they pick up um, electronic uh, energy that kind of thing i don't i don't buy into that either <laughs> i was on a ghost hunt once a couple of years back we went to the uh uh there's an old city hall building over in dallas i think it's called the red courthouse or something of that nature and i went over there with a bunch of guys and we had the whole place to ourselves because it was closed we went over there late and some st a strange thing did happen. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But uh, they're running around with these meters. And, you know, I see them going up, red, down. And, and, and <laughs> he got to this uh, one stairwell going up to the second floor. And as soon as he stepped on the stairwell and took a couple of steps, this thing peeked out red. And he stopped. And he came back off. I, stopped, I told him, I said, now come back down the stairs for a minute. And he came back down the stairs. As soon as he stepped off the stairs, it went back to green. I said, okay, now step on that stair again. He stepped on the stairs, and it went red. He said, there must be some ghostly activity around here. I said, well, let's, let's just a second. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, step back off of there again and just get real close to it. I said, now you extend your, your arm without touching the stairs. So he did that, and it was green. And as soon as he touched the stairs, it went red again. So there was some static electricity on that stairway. Uh -huh. Well, and that's what happens a lot of times. When you actually dig into EMF, a high EMF fields can be an issue, but when you're talking about high EMF fields, you'd literally have to be living under power lines, and power lines emit high electricity. If you're going to get yes, that close do. to it, you know, you're going to get that close to it for a prolonged period of time. You're going to get ill. You're going to get sick. You're going to have all kinds of issues. In fact, I've had the privilege of meeting a few people that have been through that, but the average household doesn't emit enough to really worry about. So these meters, they'll spike, but they'll spike for logical reasons. Um, makes it kind of useless when you're trying to determine that it's a ghost <laughs> exactly i went to san, san antonio once with uh eddie hill and uh he's a, a paranormal guy down in san antonio and uh uh he was uh, went to to a house i didn't go with him on this i just he was just telling me about it but uh, he went to this house because this guy called him up and says man every time we go in this room we get sick there's something going on in here and we don't know what it is so he went over there and he him and his true his uh, crew and uh, they're in there with the EF me, and yes, as soon as they walked into the room, oh, it was spiking all over the place. And uh, <clears throat> so finally, after a little while, he finally went under the house to see what was going on under the house. And when he got to that room, he said, it's, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was a, a cluster of electrical wire uh -huh. that had, uh, it wasn't sparking anything, but all of the plastic was off of the wires, and they were just kind of touching each other. And it was sending off that, that energy off of this wires shorting out under there and he said i'm surprised the house didn't burn down but anyway they cleaned that wire thing up and everything was cool after that yeah if you have a large amount of electricity that's leaking out the closer you are to it if you spend a prolonged period in time there the body tends to react um and uh and it can happen like i lived in a home that had a uh the improper an improper fuse box that was just tore apart if you spent more than four or five hours down in that basement you'd get sick because oh man 
You got electricity going everywhere for crying out loud. The closer you get to it, the more your hair will stick up. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it can happen. It's just uh, most people don't realize that they look for these meters as communication, and it's not really communication. I mean, if we knew a ghost could manipulate electromagnetic frequencies, we could probably identify what a ghost was. <laughs> exactly. Who invented this EMF meter anyway that, that, that is a collection and a pointer for ghosts? Who invented that? Um, it was invented during the media stages. Uh, originally, there were, there were electromagnetic readers, just like radiation readers and everything else. They were used in particular fields to determine different field radiations and radio frequencies and so forth. And somebody condensed it all down with a few pretty lights and made an extra sensitive sensor, which you can easily do at home if you know the circuit boards, and, mm. uh, and then put it in and called it a K2. Then they advertised it on uh, ghost hunters. And bam, there you go. It's a new science. Everybody's looking for EMF readings. Let's see. <laughs> um, and the same thing applies to REM pods and all of these other things that a lot of the ghost world uses right now. But they don't realize that most of this stuff, you can build it in your basement. I mean, you can literally take about $5 and build most of this in your basement and make it go off. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost dangerous to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing that I try to tell everybody. I understand that most investigators don't have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on electrical equipment and so forth, though it's getting cheaper these days if you have common sense and an electrical engineering degree and can work with a scientist. So they go out and they buy the go, the ghost stop stuff and they buy all this other stuff and they go out and they go hunting ghosts. Mm -hmm. But that's really not what the paranormal is about. You know, it's fun. It's It's entertaining. <laughs> But that's really not what the paranormal is about. When you get into the paranormal, as you know, just getting into the UFO, and a lot of times it's boring. And it is. You know, <laughs> we're collecting data. We're looking over screens. We're trying to solve puzzles that odds are we know are going to be 100% explainable in one way, shape, or form. Um, and we're weeding through what I – the easiest way to say it is we're weeding through what I like to call a bunch of crap in between. <laughs> yes, I'm here to tell you. I make some. I make people so mad. It's pathetic. They send me a photo. Hey, look at this! I got this alien, this uh, spaceship in the background of this. Well, no, I'm sorry, that's a bird. Yep. <laughs> or it's an insect. I got one just the other day. There's three different photographs, and uh, you can tell right away the guy's taking pictures of the clouds because that's what he's looking at. He's not yep. doing it, and. And he's and it's always uh, yeah. I looked at the photos afterwards, and I saw this UFO in the background, and it's sort of a I don't know an inverted triangle-looking shadow-looking thing up in the clouds with a V shape at the tail at the, or one end of it, and it's the same thing on every photograph, which is impossible. Uh -huh. You can't have the same shape on each photograph pointed the same way. So he has he he's has a smear on his lens. He doesn't know it. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people, I think, don't understand that, too. If it's a UFO, then it's going to be in motion, so you can't take the same shot over and over and over again because it's going to be past that shot, which yes. makes it almost impossible to catch the image solidly anyway because it's moving, and you're trying to just take as many shots as you can. <laughs> That's true. I blame it on the Japanese. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I, like when, when we, doing the, we were doing the uh, Stephenville thing in 2008, and uh, – uh, a Japanese film crew came running into town and they said, Hey, we will give you a thousand dollars per second for any movie film of a UFO that you guys say, say is authentic. And they started it. Oh my God. 
Um, I do believe that it's possible for there to be a bunch of UFOs, and I do, I do, I know it's possible because I've seen them myself. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times, um, just like early on with all of this stuff, I think a lot of times when you see things like that, if you really put your head to it, you hand it off to people that know better than you, that are smarter than you, that have done things, rather than just scream, "Oh my God, it's an alien!" Um, <laughs> you you find out that okay, th- this can be explained. To a certain point. <laughs> yes, I saw a um, a uh, this. It's been so long. I remember if it was a film or it was a photo. I think it was a photo uh, of uh, Houston, downtown Houston, and in a far off way, far away shot. And uh, this guy was out in a field, and he was, I guess, taking a photograph of the downtown Houston between two tree lines. And the valley of the of the two tree lines, left and right, there's downtown Houston. And after he did his photo, he looked, and he had all these little specks all over the place. And, he, of course, he said, oh, it's a UFO invasion, or that kind of thing. <laughs> and I said, of course, he sent it up here to us, and we had to look at it. And I told him, I said, well, here, here's what I want you to do. You're doing that exercise for me. Do an exercise for me. I said, uh, go back over there and, and do this again. And I said, before you take a photo, after you are out there, before you take a photo, wait for about 30 minutes. And then take a photo or two, one or two, five or six, I don't care. And then take a pretty good sized rock and throw it out in front of you about 20 feet. And then take four or five more photos. And let's see how many insects are in your film after the rock was thrown. And (laughs) evidently he did that or not, I don't know, but we never heard from him again. (laughs) Well, it's amazing because you run into this, we run into the same thing in almost every field, whether it's UFOs, whether it's cryptozoology whether it's um ghosts i don't know how many times people have sent me pictures and i've you know i i just stopped looking at them after a certain point at one point when i first started i'd send it off to professionals to analyze it and they'd tell me the same thing and you Mm -hmm. find out it's a bug it's dust Mm -hmm. you know it's a smudge on a lens it's a light anomaly which is a reflection from one window to another Mm -hmm. um and and uh people honestly believe oh no it's a ghost of course it's because they don't know any better (laughs) Yep. Lens flares, reflections, and glass that you do not take a photo through the glass or even where near glass. I mean, it's a dead giveaway, period. Yep. Yeah, and, was, and, um, oh, no, sorry. Go Didn't mean to cut you off. It's kind of cute because when you try to educate people on that, you have so many different fields because media has gotten crazy. And you know this. You, you've dealt with it with UFOs, I'm sure, too. And mm-hmm. I know people in the crypto community have dealt with it. I've dealt with it with ghosts. You got this. It's like there's two separate communities. You've got the people that have been in it long enough to where we know the logical answers. We've been there. We've been out. We've done it a thousand times. We know what it really is. And then you've got this other community that that I hate to say it, but they're just a little bit too far out there. <laughs> yes, that's the ones with the tinfoil hats. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it is strange, though. I mean, you know, we're all looking for the smoking gun. And uh, as far on my part, I'm just looking for the evidence uh-huh. on their part. They're looking for the smoking gun so they can make a lot of money off of it. Hey, look, I got the picture and, and I've, people come with me with the photographs that that uh, they copyright them before they even get yeah. to it. And I said, okay, nice photo of a bug you got here. <laughs> so, hey, and the deal about orbs, they, they stop sending me orb pictures anymore. I mean, anything that's round is an orb. Yeah. And uh, uh, some people have seen orbs, but I said, look, if you, if you see, a, if you send me a picture of an orb, make sure you don't use a flash, period. 
Well, and it's funny because that 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 term orb in in uh, most of the community didn't start showing up until television started using it because orb is a circular area. Um, and before that, there were sightings that were ghost lights and unusual lights and so forth in the sky. But when you go far enough back, they they weren't called orbs. No. Um, they were called anomalies. They were called ghost lights, uh, spirit lights. Um, Mm-hmm. UFOs, a dozen different other things, but then all of a sudden they took on this new likeness called Orb. <laughs> yes, I hate it. They, they still have the Marfa lights down here in Texas, and they still haven't figured out what that is. And it's just lights going around on the ground down there somewhere. They still have not figured out what that is. You know, that's that's what I like to call true paranormal versus non-paranormal there's all kinds of things like that that are out there from lights that can't be explained to i was just talking about this the other day there's a place called the devil's punch bowl and there's a lot of them across the world but in menominee wisconsin it's a geological find because there are rocks that shouldn't be there they're emanating sounds and vibrations which have resulted in plants that should have been extinct hundreds of years ago bugs that should have been extinct hundreds of years ago and nobody knows why (laughs) that is interesting yeah, and th- those are real paranormal, you know, happenings. You know what I'm saying? Those are the things that science is going, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's vibrating the stuff out of the ground that was uh, overlaid over thousands of years and things that weren't there and now they're now because they've been pushed up. Could like, be. Like the vegetation you're talking about. Yeah, it could be. Pushed up the seeds and all the, yeah. you know, all the other stuff and kept it going and then. Um, but it's, it's phenomenal. I had a chance to talk to some of the doctors that are over there and a few of the scientists that do the testing course. They take the kids over there to teach them. Um, and everybody comes up with, we can't really explain why this is going on, but it's fascinating to study the vegetation because you won't find it anywhere else in the world. (laughs) That is weird. That's strange. I'd like to see that. Yeah. It's cool. If you're ever up there, it's easy. You can walk right into it. Well, you can't go into the direct area unless you go to the university first, but you can walk right down into the area. There's claims of haunted um, stuff. There's claims of all kinds of things that have been there for it being such a small area, but it, it, it's a fascinating place. When you go there, you can feel the vibrations and it affects electronics. So if you have a cell phone, the cell phone will shut off. If you have a pacemaker, then you might have a few fluctuations in the pacemaker, and nobody really knows why it affects all of that. They just know it does. <laughs> that is strange. I don't think I'd be going down there. <laughs> I, I go into weird places. <laughs> <laughs> Braver men than me. <laughs> um, so we got off target a little bit, though. I know you were talking about a couple of experiences. So uh, let's let's talk about something you may want to share with the listeners. Oh. Like what? You're a paranormal show, right? My house used to be haunted years and years ago. I've lived in this house for 40 years anyway. And uh, um, well, I, I would work out of town. My wife was here and two kids were here. And I'd come back out of town. I'd be there gone for about a week, 10 days. And I'd come back and she'd be telling me that uh, something went banging on the side of the house. And uh, I'm immediately thinking about the kids next door beating them in the house because you know, we got some had some kids that live next door. They're they're grown up now, but but I said it's just those kids over there. I said no no no. I looked. There's nothing out there, and I I just kind of blew it off. But uh, this went on and on and on. Didn't come on every night, but it, it was enough to keep your your interest into it, I suppose. But one night I was laying in bed and this thing woke me up, banging on the side of the house, and I mean it was hitting hard vibrating the windows that kind of hard 
And so I went back here into the back bedroom. My kids were sleeping through it. They'd be there used to it. And so I went back to the bedroom. And I looked out the window right here where the noise was coming from. And once again, boom, boom, on the, boom on the side of the house. And I look out there and I have a light out there. There's nothing there. No one's there. And then it stopped. And I haven't heard it since. But I went out there the next morning. I'm looking around, you know, the flower bed thing down there. And there's no footprints or anything anywhere. So I hit the side of the house trying to reenact it. And I had to hit the house hard. It hurt, hurt inside of my fist hitting it so hard. Uh, but that, it was gone. I don't know what that was. And occasionally, uh, I have this long attic that runs the full length of the house. And occasionally, I'm watching TV, I'm on our own business, and something would run across that attic. Boom, 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 boom. And stop. <laughs> it did that constantly. Well, not constantly. Once a week, maybe. And uh, finally, that stopped. And I did have something climb on the bed with me one morning. Now, that was weird. I was uh, sleeping in on Saturday. I don't know what time it was, but I know that uh, I Love Lucy was on the TV because I hate that show and that movie, that music was playing. And I'm sitting there trying to do, I want to get up and tell her to shut that off or whatever. And all of a sudden I started feeling something climbing up on the bed with me. It would would remind me of uh, a cat. You know, cats are pretty stealthy and uh, they, they really watch what they're stepping on or coming on. But it was really sneaking up and it was like a, a foot on each side of my body. I'm laying on my back and it was coming up from the feet, coming up toward me really slow. I kind of looked down there and there's nothing there. And that's when I noticed I could not move. You know, you hear this thing about you can't move. Uh-huh. And you also hear this thing about, well, you're still asleep. You're just dreaming or whatever. And you just can't move. I, I, no, I was awake because I was mad because of this music in your playing. Cause I hate, I love Lucy. And, and she was watching that show. It was on. But anyway, this thing got about halfway up my body, and I'm struggling trying to move. And finally, I do move, and me, it, cover, everything was off into the floor, and it was on. That was going, whatever it was, it, it was on. And it just, whatever, it just went away. I don't know. I didn't see it. didn't feel anything after that or anything. And it was really weird. So <laughs> if uh, you want to talk about ghostly activity, there you go. Then that, that never happened to me after that either. So I don't know, weird. And uh, my wife many times uh, would wake up, and she woke up one night with because uh, she said uh, something grabbed her hand, like holding her hand. And she looked down, and she saw this uh, dark shadow type thing laying on the bed there with her on the edge of the bed. And she said it was like a little kid. And when she uh, when she saw what it was, you know, like it was nothing, but it's something dark there. She, she kind of, kind of scared her and it jumped and it just disappeared. So I don't know. I don't know. And all of a sudden all this stuff's gone and, and, and I'm kind of glad. So there you are. Well, you know, a lot of people end up in the same situation. It's, it's a brief instance where you run into something that you can't explain. You can't, you can't understand. And once it's over, including myself, my, my experience was very, scary it's about to be shared with the world believe it or not uh, in a book that i'm writing and and it's actually actually ladies and gentlemen i can say this i can't tell you what it's actually going to be on tv as well even though the whole story is not going to be there just so everybody is aware <coughs> um it, it, you once once it's over you're you do end up with that situation hey look i can't explain it i don't know what happened startled the crap out of me but i'm glad it's over <laughs> yes 
<laughs> I'm a, I got one more incident to tell you if you've got time. Yeah, shoot. It was when I was about uh, 17, 18, something like that. I went to spend the night out with some friends of mine uh, out uh, out in Justin, Texas. It's, a, I don't know, probably 30 miles from, from where I'm at right here now, out north of us. And it was an old house out in the sticks. I mean, there was not really any houses around anywhere, but it was one of those deals when at nighttime, you know, you put your hand in front of your face, you can't see it. One of those dark nights type things. Well, this house is the same way. And uh, this uh, this house was uh, like I had, it was a two-story house, I think three. But uh, bedrooms upstairs, bedroom downstairs, and, and bedrooms on each side of a long living room combination dining room. And then on the back porch was a, a screened-in porch, and the restroom was on the outside out there on that back porch thing. And then... You have uh, two bedrooms, a kitchen on one side, and then on the other side, it was two bedrooms and then stairway going up to the rest of the house. But um, at this certain time here, I was in this front bedroom, and uh, we'd been playing cards, so I was like, I never went to bed. I was in the front bedroom up here, and uh, I don't even know what time it was, but I just woke up. There's, I heard, a, and I got to thinking about you know, what woke me up, and, and I remember it was like um, like a crash on the floor of uh what i call pots and pans it's like you had a stack of pots and pans and they just fell off the cabinet and hit the floor made a lot of racket and i'm laying there you know well you know somebody's going to get up in a minute because i'm not the only one that heard that crash and and nobody was getting up so i'm trying to go back to sleep and uh that's when i started hearing uh the floor popping and uh, as you know it's an elevated floor house that pier and beam type thing and then you walk across that floor and it pops and creaks and carries on well well um uh, someone was up and they were coming down the sliding down the wall and coming to the, to the bedroom door where I am. And the, uh, the bedroom, I could hear that the door handle, like it's trying to open. Uh-huh. I said, uh-huh. These guys are going to come here and try to scare me is what they're trying to do. So I'm lazy. I'm laying there waiting on them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all of a sudden the door opens and that's when it started getting weird because, uh, I'd read enough ghost stories and things that, that anytime you have a ghost around whatever, that there's a cold air associated with it. As soon as that door opened, the entire room filled up with cold air. It's just like, like you open up a freezer door. And I said, oh, no, I have shut my eyes real quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm laying there in the bed waiting for this ghost to take me off to the Neverland or whatever it was. And, and um, nothing was happening. Then I started hearing all this beating in my ears. Boom, 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 boom. I was, I was, oh man, what's that noise? And I was holding my arms across my chest and it was my heart beating. Right. That's how I'm so scared. (laughs) I was, I was petrified that this thing was coming in to get me and my eyes were shut. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to see what it was. I know. And I'm my head, my, my, my heart's about to explode out of my chest. And, Next thing I know, I woke up the next morning. I bail out of the bed. I run up and go into the house. Everybody's up eating breakfast. And I'm running around, looking around, and said, hey, sleepyhead, and all this kind of thing. And I said, well, uh, did anybody hear anything last night? What? Nobody heard anything. I said, was there any dishes or pots and pans on the floor? No. Oh, well, okay. Then no big deal. I just dropped it. (laughs) And probably about six months later, maybe a little longer, I was in the Navy by then. And of course, we're on the fan tail of the boat, and everybody's talking, telling ghost stories and stuff like that. And, and I said, I got a good one for you. And I started telling them this one. And when I got to the point where I'm laying in bed with my heart exploding, I, I, I realized 
how in the world did I go to sleep with all this adrenaline plumping through my, my veins? I said, how in the, how in the world did I go to sleep? So <laughs> I'm wondering what happened after that. And people says, you need to be regressed. And I said, no, I remember talking to, um, Travis Walton about that. And, uh, he said he didn't want to be regressed because he felt like he was killed out there and they brought him back to life. Uh-huh. And he says, if I go back to be regressed, he said, I might die again or whatever. I said, that's a good idea not to. So I'm perfectly fine. I don't want to know what happened during that night. So there we are. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's a point. I think a lot of people past life regression. I understand why, why it's done to re-experience situation and get answers. But I know in my situation, there's a lot of things I can't explain because I went through it. And a lot of things that I just blacked out on. And to be frankly honest with you, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Um, And and it's primarily because I don't want to know, you know, it's, it sounds silly, but it's almost a fear. It may be nothing, maybe nothing happened, maybe something logical happened, but what if that other thing happened? I really don't want to remember it in the first place. I'm fine with where I am now. <laughs> yes, I'm perfectly fine where I am too. I'm, I wake up every morning above the dirt, so ev- everything's good. Life is- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm actually curious on, um, and, and I don't get a chance to do this very often with MUFON individuals, so I, I love everything that you guys do. I'm actually curious. I know you've got a set way to actually do an investigation and if you can share some of that i'd be fascinated on hearing it myself because i haven't had a chance to hang out with a MUFON investigator so to speak at a location and know that you know you've got these procedures put in place and this is how you do things <laughs> well we do have a big large i forget how many pages are in that fi manual that we read through and it gives us a kind of an outline but but uh, the first thing I do is when I do an investigation is I look the case over and I first want to find out, is this, you know, something worth looking at or whatever. And uh, so uh, you look all of that over and you uh, check the weather for the day and, and things of that nature, depending on what they viewed or what they saw. And uh, then you send an email or a phone call to witness, set up a time to talk with them and uh, and, and if they want to have some, some don't, some don't want any kind of interaction at all. And so you, you visit with them and you discuss what went on. And when I go to, to someone's house, first thing I do nonchalantly is see how many UFO books they have or ghost books they have. Cause you read one or two UFO books and Hey, you're, you're a novice, you, you know, you know what's going on, you know what they're looking for. Uh-huh. So uh, that's the first thing I look for. And and then after that, then you just kind of decide on what, uh, what the disposition is going to be. Now, years and years ago, I, I did uh, three investigations up in North Dallas. And all of them were um, uh, uh, abduction-related. And they were all kind of scattered around North Dallas up there. And I did all three of the investigations. And, and uh, each time, they told me that, that – uh, now, it was, it was weird. The husbands talked to me, but the wives didn't. Because they didn't want to, no, I don't want to talk to them. They were the ones being abducted. But the husbands would come out and, and talk to me. Well, each one, after I did the third one, they uh, were telling me that they got in the middle of the night or whatever and were taken to a wooded area. And I didn't think too much about that because when I'm looking around, there's nothing but apartments and houses. So, you know, wooded area, there's no wooded area around here. So on the third one, 
I, with the same circumstances, I, I, after I got the investigation over with, about a week after that, I started saying, well, I'm going to get a map out of the area and see what's happening. And it was, it was weird. Right in the middle of all three of them was a wooded area, like a park or something. So I tried to contact these three again. They moved, all three of them. Huh. Within within about two or three weeks, they moved every one of them, and I don't I don't know where they went. So there we are. <laughs> that reminds me of a uh, a guest that I had on a previous show, and he had an issue with what he liked to call the critters. Uh, he came from overseas, and then he moved over here to the United States. He lived in the Rocky Mountains. He was right behind a big, massive wooded area. And, of course, overseas, they have myths about how uh, fairies and imps and tree gnomes and all this other stuff are all in the trees. So he was convinced something else was going on because he kept seeing these people standing out there, or things standing out there every single night, and they never come any closer, scared him to death, terrified him. Uh, and it turned out, that it was a bunch of hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> hillbillies. What are they looking at, or what are they looking for? They were actually they they hunted the area for many many years, and oh, okay. they now they They're stayed away. For traps. Yeah, checking for traps, and they stayed away from the average community. Um, well, the sheriff had mentioned it eventually, but this was a big, wide open area. So you have kind of a, the sheriff's more like a ranger than he is an actual sheriff. So he only checks in every now and then. And this guy got so terrified, eventually he went to him. Well, it turns out that um, he, this guy was new in the area and they were just kind of using him as entertainment. They were just kind of sitting there watching at night because <laughs> they nobody had lived there before that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a fine example of how you see things progress. When they don't really know what it is, their imagination starts flying away from them, and they're seeing gimps and fairies and things with wings, and just so uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, and you know, hey, if you if you dig deep enough, then you could probably find a little bit of logic to the myth, even in all of that stuff, because you know, insects live, insects die, animals change, animals die, so there's probably links there somewhere to a lot of those myths. But uh, people don't dig deep enough into historical content to try to put two and two together. No. Um, and I believe a lot of times that's where you're dealing with ogres and dwarves and giants. And, well, you know, we even today we do have giantism. We do have mm -hmm. we have do have dwarfism. And back then they would have been classified as different races and probably isolated. People would have looked at them funny. So they lived in their own communities. Today, it's not the case. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's very true. I have ugly people on my block, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, I, I, I tend to relate a lot of things. I know that most in most of the different branches tend to stay away from the term paranormal, but I tend to bring it all back into the paranormal because in one way, shape or form, everything we deal with, whether it's UFOs, whether it's cryptozoology, whether it's ghosts, it's all unexplained phenomenon. Um, until it's explained, until it's deciphered, until you find out what it is, until it can be logically explained in the education and science field. It's all unexplained phenomenon. Um, but it, it I, I think the community doesn't understand that. I think they, they tend to kind of sway in many different directions. <laughs> yes, and it comes down to where we're hiding it. A lot of times, yeah. Um, I hear that a lot. <laughs> Mufon has all the cases and they're hiding them. 
I hear it. I'm serious. What amazes me the most is uh, after a hundred or so years, if not more, no one has ever found one of these things. <laughs> You're right. There's There's been no real proof of aliens or UFOs. There's been no. no real proof of ghosts. There's been no real proof of Bigfoot or no. cryptozoology. Um Occasionally, cryptozoology, you'll run into it. Like the white ape for years was believed to be a myth, and then somebody finally stumbled across a white ape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, so every now and then you do find those itty-bitty links that go, oh, okay, well, that's explainable. But most people don't look at all of that. They just, they just look at the uh, fun stuff, I guess you could say. <laughs> I used to do that with a kid. When I was a kid, I'd, I'd read up on the Enquirer newspaper. That was the favorite. My newspaper was favorite. Then they had all this stuff in there, and I was reading about it. And I was, oh my god, I was afraid to go outside. <laughs> Bigfoot's out there carrying you off, and ghosts, and oh man, I was really interested in all of that. Well, you know, in the old days, uh, the National Enquirer was our internet. So <laughs> that's true. Very true. You had no choice but to pick up the paper and start looking through it, and if you got really lucky, you found something locally that you could go check out that wasn't on your radar already. <laughs> yeah, that never happened to me. <laughs> Ohio is loaded full of Bigfoot stories, so at one point or another, somewhere along the line, you always had a Bigfoot story hit the National Enquirer. <laughs> I have an old Navy buddy up there in Ohio, and uh, he's always having UFO stories. Well, Man. there's a lot of them here. Yes. You, you know, my dad worked with uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. He was a guard on Wright-Pat for four years after he came back from Vietnam, almost eight years, actually, after he came back from Vietnam. Some of the pictures that I have, and I'll share them with you somewhere along the line, are, mm-hmm. are unique because after they got released and sent into the museum, so to speak, uh, finally somebody can talk about it. One of the most unique ones I ever saw was the flying saucer that never got more than five foot off the ground. Oh, <laughs> I don't yes. know if you've ever seen it or not, but you know, it's a little bubble, one guy in there driving the little thing. Yes, I've actually <laughs> seen it. They, they have the museum up there and I, I went in there and they have, you'd be amazed all these jet aircraft they have jammed in that, that hangar. Yeah. I mean, it's, they have the B-70 in there hanging off, yeah. the, off the ceiling. Man, it, yes, I've seen that. Dad's got pictures of it when they rolled it out of the hangar that they were hiding for so many years and putting it in a museum. And uh, he he used to love telling me the story. He said it's kind of funny because every day I sat here and I watched them work on all kinds of projects and put them in and store them away. And I could never open my mouth once. But everybody said, oh, look, there's a UFO. And I was always shaking my head going, yeah, probably not. Uh-huh. That's true. <laughs> um. So th- there's all kinds of sightings here. You can look up into the sky at, at one point or another when I was a kid, and you'd always see some sort of dogfight of some sort or testing or um, – I mean, there, there were always lights in the sky, always. <laughs> well, you know, one thing when they do uh, make a new jet and test it, they will test it under dogfight conditions. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, I've seen uh, unique situations where you'll see they'll just look like they're playing around in the sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's basically what they're doing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and you can't uh, you can't get a radar lock on me. You know, whoever does gets a beer tonight. <laughs> well, and it got worse when you started doing dealing with drones. What most oh, people I mean, don't understand you, yes. is, yeah, I mean, you had to test those <clears> things, <throat> and the best way to test them is to throw them out right in the middle of the night. <laughs> sure. Um. 
So it, I, I'm a firm believer that most unidentified flying objects can be explained. I'm sure there's probably a handful out there that can't be explained. Um, it's just a matter of are you ever going to be able to explain them? Because I can, I can tell you here, if you dig to a certain point, you will get told that's a matter of national security. Mm-hmm. We're not going to give you any information. End of subject. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's it. We're not going to see anything anytime soon. Nah. Or uh, know anything anytime soon. Everybody's saying, oh, disclosure. Is it? No, no. <laughs> not going to happen. I was talking about that the other day because a lot of the documents that are disclosed now, they're going, oh, no, they're going to tell you about the programs. They're going to admit things like Stargate is 100% real and this and this mm-hmm. and this. And then I read all the documents related to Stargate in general, all of the all the CIA releases, the Department of Defense releases, because I was curious. And it's funny because not a one of them admit there was ever a program Stargate. You, That's you, true. They're all telling me, yeah, oh, yeah, admits it right there. No, not really. All of Everything I'm looking through are, are vacation releases, requisitions for food, requisitions for supplies. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, it's for the people that were working on a Stargate. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see where it's related to a program, but they never once admit the program exists. No, and they're not going to. <laughs> um, and I guess in a way that's admitting it because you're saying, oh, yeah, there's a program there, but they're just not telling you what the program was. That's so, true. They're not. They don't need. What do we need to know? We don't need to know anything like yeah. that. Nope. Nope. And that, that's that's the type of release that we're going to see a lot of times. We're not going to literally see what people think, and that is admittance that oh yeah, UFOs came down. We're in contact with them. There's 17 different races. There's. <laughs> we, we're on what I call baby steps, and uh, it's baby step is it, one little baby step is uh, just a little bit more information they're going to put out. Yep. Uh, it hasn't been that long ago that they discovered the first planet outside our solar system. Yeah. What, 20, 30 years maybe? Yeah. And uh, now all of a sudden they're finding more and more planets and that kind of a thing. Then the next deal was, uh, well, they don't have water. But hey, guess what? They're finding a lot of water on all the planets in our solar system all of a sudden. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, sooner or later, after probably 100 years after I'm dead, They'll start talking about, yeah, we found some life out here. There's going to be microbes. And then it's going to be a long time before they actually say, well, yeah, here they are. And they come up and shake hands with us, that kind of thing. Well, it'll be a long time, though I believe there is intelligent life. We're not the only thing out there. We'll eventually find it. But you're right. It is baby steps. Like I think just four years ago, NASA scientists said, hey, look, our probes did find forms of minor biological life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's a massive step. If you think about it now, we're saying, it yes, is. life can't exist in space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why don't, I, what I guess me is, why don't they just say it? Well, yeah, there, we believe there is life out there and, 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 uh, I think they know it already anyway. They're just not telling us. One would think that you, you have to stumble across some sort of signs that make you go, hmm. I see a lot of that. <laughs> it's when you have a uh, budget of $20 trillion and nothing to show for it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and there is a massive budget that goes into black projects every single year that none of us know anything about. Um, so odds are they probably do know a handful of things that that um, they're, they're never going to tell us about. No, they're not. <laughs> The, the, fasc- the fascinating thing is watching all the conspiracy theories based off of that. <laughs> yes. 
How many years, if you probably don't recall, because I don't recall, but how many years was man in a, an animal-drawn vehicle? An animal-drawn vehicle? Gosh, I don't recall right off the bat, but it, uh, it had to be hundreds of years. 2,500 years estimated. Yeah, that doesn't in surprise me. An animal-drawn me. vehicle. Now, from the time man stepped off the animal-drawn vehicle and stepped onto the moon, how many years to that? Probably at least another, what, 200, 300 years, if not more. Uh, we'll about, step 70, on the moon. about 75. 75? Huh. Yeah, we stepped off the stagecoach, got into a car, and next thing you know, we're on the moon. <laughs> about 75 years, right? Well, it's a good progression. Now, if we can just figure out how to get past uh, the moon and Mars, it's we'll true, be doing well. But, but here's the big deal. How come after 120 years, we're still in a car getting 21 miles to a gallon? That's true. That's true. We haven't advanced much past the combustible engine. No. <laughs> We're $20 trillion in debt and still driving cars with 21 miles to a gallon. A lot of that has to do with money. Money is power. <laughs> a lot of that has to do with the secret space program. That is true as well, which I've been curious on. I've actually read into that many, many times uh, on what you can find. And, you know, there is a lot of things that if you look through the gaps that say that we've done, we've ventured a little bit further out in space than most people know about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, let's, uh, I know we're getting down to probably the last five minutes or so, but you and I could talk about this forever. Um, let's talk about, uh, you know, anything that you've got going on, maybe any events that you have going on or anything that you want to share with the public. Well, at the moment, MUFON has a MUFON cruise, and it's, I can't really tell you much about it because it's already sold out, and it's going to be going on next week. And uh, I'm not going. I was in the Navy. Going on cruises does not fascinate me at all. <laughs> so, but uh, uh, let's see. The symposium is coming up in uh, the last weekend of July, and uh, you can go on the website if anybody's interested in that, and you go on the website and register or get information on it. Um it's going to be in Irvine, California this year. But now, uh, as what? Go ahead. Do you know if they're holding the uh, event? They, they used to do a MUFON conference up here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I don't know if they're still doing it or not. I was just curious because I might show up. <laughs> uh, if they've done one in Columbus, Ohio, I'd, I have no idea. That, that'd be, I don't know. I don't know anything about that one. My good, my good Navy friend lives pretty close to Columbus. Cool. Well, if you're ever in the area, we'll have to, I'll have to buy you a steak and, and uh, pick your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going up there not too much longer. You might uh, shoot me your phone number and private message, and I'll call you when I get up there. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'll take the last couple of minutes to tell you you're listening to Paranormal Truth and Reality here on BBS Radio. BBS Radio is one of the largest digital radio stations here in the United States of America. If you're going to go with the best, I do encourage you to contact Donald and his brother. They're great guys. Go with BBS. A couple of other things just to be aware of. We will be on the road again here in about another month. We're going to go to the Ohio State Reformatory for a convention, and there's going to be a lot of major speakers there. Unfortunately, Iowa won't be speaking. There's a couple other conferences coming up, including the Buffalo Ranch in Indiana. I do encourage you to keep an eye on that. I will be speaking at that one. Actually, they're crossing over a little bit of all paranormal things, including UFOs. Um, We've been speaking with Stephen Hudgens, a wonderful gentleman that uh, is the director of MUFON. And uh, what state are you the director? It's nationwide now, right? Well, actually, I I was in nationwide. Now I'm international. I'm the director of investigations over international now. So over the international area, I do encourage you, if you have any questions, 
regarding UFOs, feel free to seek him out a little bit. He's very logical. He knows exactly what he's talking about. So he'll be glad to not only cut you down if you think you have a UFO <laughs> and he don't, but uh, also direct you in the right direction for how to really search and really understand things. I will let you off of here, ladies and gentlemen. But as usual, and as you're learning in the paranormal, truth should always be that reality, whether it's UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, or something else unusual. Use your brain. Dig in. Think a little bit deeper than what you see on media. Realize that a lot of things are total myth. And once you get past that, you're going to find a handful of things that not only are fascinating, scientific discoveries, and other things that are still open doors, but a wonderful community of people that will be able to educate you. That's our show, and we'll talk to you next week.